Good morning, good morning. You can have a seat. My name's Jose. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Cypress Creek Church. If you are visiting, we, Cypress Creek Church, are a group of imperfect people. We're all on a journey to follow the only perfect one, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope you feel welcome here this morning. We have been going through a series called Rhythms when we're looking at God's unforced rhythms of grace that bring us rest. How are we doing with our rhythms as this school year has kicked back up? Are we doing pretty good? Are some of us doing really, really good because football season is back? Uh, some of them have caught their rhythm, the Aggies. Uh, UT, I didn't catch UT. Did UT play? All right, there. UT played. Uh, we won't talk about Texas State. Uh, they did play, but I don't think anyone showed up. And uh, the Wimberley Texans, however, they're showing up. We're 2-0 under the, our, our, our strong sophomore quarterback, Cody Stover. Gotta give him a shout-out. He's doing incredible. That's right. He'll be here at the 10, 1030 gathering. I hope you're catching your rhythm as we talk about these different rhythms, again, that God ordained from the beginning of the church, and, and they're actually for us, for our own benefit, so that we can have rest in this crazy and ever-changing world. This morning, we are going to look at a fun one. You came, if you're visiting, you came to the good one. We're going to talk about giving, giving. If you, hey, there you go. If you're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I go to church and they're going to talk about money. Good news is we're not only going to talk about money because there's a commodity called your time that is even more precious than money, but God loves us and he wants us to be fully following him and that includes our money and our time. So this morning, again, we're gonna look at give. Let's recap though where we've been. We're, we're looking at Matthew chapter 11, these words of Jesus to say this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible in the message says this, are you tired? Same, same passage, worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's our aim through this series in these habits. These unforced rhythms of grace are found in Acts chapter 2. They're the habits that the first church gathering practiced, and we should be practicing them as well. They're in Acts chapter 2, and they devoted, they being the first church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. We looked at this passage last week, what it looks like to grow up, to become more like Jesus by practicing these personal habits, being connected with God as we focus on our relationship with him. And then 
Two weeks ago, and all who believed were together. We talked about the gathering of believers, that we gather here on Sunday mornings, and then we gather uh, on, in small groups during the week. We are not called to do this life alone. And then here we go, this week's verse, and they were selling their possessions. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This was a radical form of generosity that was compelled by the love and grace of Jesus that they had experienced. So the early church experienced not only a lot of them uh, following Jesus in the flesh, actually when he was here on earth, but then when he ascended into heaven after he died and, and then was raised again, then he ascended into heaven, his Holy Spirit descended, and that caused them to do this radical, uh, generous posture of selling their possessions, their stuff, and giving to all who had need. Radical. Again, we're talking both about our time and our money. And if you're wondering, how on earth am I supposed to find rest by thinking about giving away all of my stuff? Here's the thing. Money is often the most stressful part of our lives, how we, uh, how we spend it, what it causes in us. And so what Jesus is after is he's saying, hey, if you practice my unforced rhythms of grace with money, with your time, then you will find rest that you won't find anywhere else here in the world. This world says, you got to have, you got to have, you got to, you got to get more and more and more and more. And Jesus says, come, come to me, do, do, do money my way, do time my way and watch how I in return give you rest. Don't take my word for it though. Jesus in the best sermon that's ever been preached, the sermon on the Mount says this in Matthew chapter six, don't store up treasures here on earth, meaning don't do uh, money the way the world does where moths eat them and rust destroy them and <laughs> thieves break in and steal. That's what happens here on earth, right? Uh, uh, nature gets our stuff, <laughs> rusts, time uh, destroys our things. And then people Steal other people, right? They, they steal our stuff. Uh, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So God's actually not after our money. God's after our heart. And what he's saying is that where we spend our time and our money, that actually dictates the condition of our Heart. For example, if you're wondering, where is my heart? Look at your bank account. Look at the things that you are spending your money on. That will show you what you are prioritizing. Look at the way you spend your time. That will show you the things that you are most committed to. We are all limited by time and the amount of resources that we have. How we spend those limited resources dictates the condition of our Heart. Verse 24, same uh, passage. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved by money. He's saying, take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me. Do things my way. Serve me. Give to me and watch how I give you rest. 
There's a quote that says, money and possessions make wonderful tools, but are terrible masters. We need to keep these things as tools, not as masters. Verse 25 comes right after that. We often take this scripture out of context. Check it out. Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And then he says, take a hike, literally. Go outside and, and look at the birds. See how God feeds them, and, and they, don't, they don't really do anything. And yet, how much more does your heavenly Father love you? He will provide for you. Look at the lilies. Look at the, we, we were just talking, uh, look at the sprouting uh, uh, flowers that are coming out. Look at the green grass that's coming out. They're dressed, uh, Jesus says, way more ornamentally than Solomon, and, and yet how much more does your Father love you? You And then he says this in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, our problem is that we have our priorities when it comes to our time and our money upside down. God wants us to first seek him and then he will provide us with all that we Need. See, if we are serving anything besides Jesus, there is a good chance that it, uh, at some point we will be exhausted by the pressure and the stress that money, that spending our time in other things bring us. A couple more things, and then we'll, we'll get going through the points of this morning. Number one is that giving uh, isn't for God's benefit. It's actually for ours. He, he doesn't need our money. God, God has all the resources in the world. He doesn't need our money. God, uh, money, when we give our time and our money to God, it's meant for our benefit so that we can depend on him, rely on him for all of our stuff, and then be aware of the needs of those around us. And nothing makes, again, uh, us more aware of our need when we, when we're, of other people's needs when we give to others. King David, he said this in 970 BC. So King David lived a long life. Uh, his priorities, if they were like the world's, he'd probably be uh, eulogizing himself. Since the end of King David, he brought the whole nation of Israel together, best leader that Israel ever saw. And he could have just talked about all of his victories. Instead, he was passing on wisdom to his son, Solomon. He was talking about, hey, this is what you need to do to build the temple. You need to ask these people for this, and, and you need to go and, and collect this money from, from these people so that you can build God's temple. And then he utters a prayer in First Chronicles 29, 14. And in humility, this king, the most famous and important and successful man in the whole people of God said this, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you, God? Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. He has everything that has ever been produced here on all the resources. God owns it all. We are merely stewards. David got that that David was a steward of God's resources. You and I are stewards of God's resources. It's like Chick-fil-A. 
Chick-fil-A operators do not own the restaurants. Did you know that? The family owns the restaurant. Chick-fil-A operators are merely stewards. They're managers of that store. Their job is to make the most delicious chicken and fill you with as much Chick-fil-A and buffalo sauce as humanly possible. And they do so really generously. If you ask, they'll keep giving. Uh, but they won't give you anything for free. You got to pay for it. Uh, no, no, they'll give you a whole sandwich for free, but they won't uh, give you discounts. Did you, did you know that? Like they don't have a dollar menu like other fast food restaurants? That's another uh, story. That's not a part of the, that's not important. Bottom line is that they are stewarding something that is not theirs. And it's the same thing with our money and with our time. God's given us resources. He's given us time and he's given us money. He's also given us talents. That's part of our time. And he's asking us to give back to him, to learn these unforced rhythms of grace with our time and our money so that we will have rest. How are you feeling? That's just my introduction because these next six points are really important and they all flow from this concept of stewarding, that God owns it all. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And part of our heart is how we steward our stuff. So what I want to look at this morning, I want to look at six ways to give that will bring about this Rest Here uh, at Cypress Creek Church, you guys know we don't pass the bucket, so there's no offering coming up. There's no pitch. This is all God's word in God's way that I am proclaiming to us. This is God's very word. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and chapter 9. I, I plucked out six ways that these verses teach us to give, that I believe when we do them, they actually give us rest. They give us this peace, opposite of what the world gives to us, especially when it comes to, again, our time and our talent. So let me set up the context of where we are. We're in 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. It's his second letter, thus 2 Corinthians. In this first letter, he actually boasts that he didn't collect anything from them. So that's important to note. And then on this second letter, he's not personally asking for something. He's saying that there's a church, actually the church in Jerusalem, where this early church started that is now in trouble. They had great needs. There was a lot going on in Jerusalem. It was the main city in Israel. And because of that, the Roman emperor at the time, it was the Emperor Claudius, 41 through 54 AD. Uh, he, he was a terrible steward. And so there was famine. There were all these hardships. And what Paul was saying is, hey, remember that time, the first church that they were selling and giving to uh, each other in their possessions? Okay, we need to do this for the church in Jerusalem. So that's the context. Paul is advocating for a need, and he's asking for generosity from this church in Jerusalem. Corinth. That brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, looking at six ways to give that will bring about rest. Here's the first one. Now, Paul says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So Macedonia is different than today. Actually, the uh, uh, Macedonia is now northern Macedonia because of uh, issues with Greece and Thessaloniki. That's a whole nother topic too, but it goes way, way, way back to Alexander the Great. And, and, and so this talks about the church in Thessaloniki, Thessalonians, uh, Philippi, uh, Berea, and Ephesus. So these are the churches in Macedonia. They are giving to the church in Jerusalem. They're being tested by many troubles. So there's Problems in these other churches, they are very poor, but 
they are also filled with what? Abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So things aren't going for well for them, but what are they doing? They're practicing this rhythm of giving, and in return, they receive joy. Here's the first way that we give. It says through. Through what? Not through the government. It says through the church. They were giving through the church. God, in his infinite wisdom, this is a mystery, has chosen to move through the church. His kindness flows through the church. It's God's way of moving here on earth. We talked a couple weeks ago that this gathering, this body, it's not an organization, it's an organism. It's, it's, a, it's, it's alive, and, and we all play a part. Each one of us are uniquely positioned and gifted to give to and through the church. That's what these folks were doing. So I want to talk about the church, and then the, 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 the rest are going to be um, more so personal. Here's the bottom line. They are being tested. Can we go back to that uh, passage, please? They're being tested by men, and they were poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. This church, Cypress Creek Church, has abundant joy that overflows with rich generosity. You, we are an incredibly generous church. I mean it with my whole heart. Thank you for your faithfulness and obedience to Christ in your giving through this body. It is amazing what this church has done. I want to show some of that. Um, there is a graph that I want to show you. This is what you are giving to when you give through, a to and through the church. So 25% is pastoral care. That's counseling. That's celebrate recovery. That's community groups. That's our prayer ministry team. That's this uh, uh, ministry of the word. 25% is so that we as, as staff, as a team can care for our body. 11% is facilities. We need to keep the lights on. These guys almost didn't come on, but they came through. Hallelujah. So <laughs> that would have been a big expense if these guys went out. So it just rent all of that stuff. Rent of our church admin offices. Operations is hospitality events. When, when we have large gatherings after uh, the, the Sunday morning gatherings, here's where your generosity really kicks in, again, it's not just giving to the church, but it's giving through the church. 10% of what uh, uh, is given, 10% of our budget goes outside the walls of Cypress Creek Church to both local and global ministries. These are missionaries all over the world, and these are local, strategic, local partnerships that we have with other folks that are caring, that are meeting needs of in this community. And then our student ministry, that, that, that's outside the walls too. There's not a lot going on in student ministry here on Sunday morning. We're going into the schools and loving students right where they are at. Same thing with our kids' ministry, although Scarlett does an incredible job here on Sunday morning. Crosstalk, that's our college ministry. We go to Texas State. We go to them. We are on mission. 27% 
is for the emerging generation, our college students, our students, and our kids. Don't miss that. That is a huge part of our DNA here at Cypress. 9% is for our worship ministry, and then 8% is communications. That's all of our resources so that we, that is seven of us that are full-time, 10 of us that are part-time, and six incredible, amazing interns can do what Ephesians 4 tells us to do, and that is this, to equip the work, uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and then let's put Ephesians 4, 16 here. This is the aim. He, God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what we're after because that's what God teaches us to be after. We want to be healthy, we want to be growing, and we want to be full of love. And each part gets to do its uh, work. So that's a little bit about money, and here's our time. We need to also give not only our money, but we need to give our time so that we can serve one another. And there's a lot of great ways that you can do that. These were passed out. I encourage you to uh, look at this and then think about it in this context. What would it look like for you to serve in one of these ministries once a month? Just once a month, not every Sunday, but just once a month. You would attend three and then you would serve one. Think about it. You can even attend four and just serve one gathering. But there are great ways for us to serve. This is a great starting place for us. So take it home, think about it, pray about it, and then you can either put these back into the um, offering box or you can uh, give it to somebody that kind of looks like they know what they're doing. Okay, so serve. That is the church giving through the church. Uh, we have a problem in our society where we have delegated what is precious to God to institutions that are not godly. And primarily, I'm talking about the government. We expect the government to care for people versus the church being the primary source of care and education and equipping. Hospitals, universities, all of that, those things started because the body of Christ thousands of years ago cared for people, okay? So I know we've come a long way from there. You're thinking, what, education and, and, and hospital, healthcare? Those are Christian ideals. Before the weak were left to their own devices, the vulnerable, they wouldn't survive. And then the body of Christ stepped in and said, no. Jesus said, feed the poor. Jesus said, take care of the marginalized. So the church stepped in. What would it look like to continue to recover that as we give not only to, but through the church? If you got that, can I get an amen? amen. All right, good. Uh, Ephesians 4, we looked at that. Let's keep on no, no, no. I want to. I want to go to this Leviticus. This, this, this is important because this may be a maybe a new or a confusing uh, concept. Well, how much do I give? Well, if you've been around church for any time, you know that there's this thing called a tithe, which literally just means the tenth. And so you're saying you give ten percent of your money away. Well, this goes back to ancient Hebrew. These, this is in Leviticus, the third book of the Bible. It says this. This is the law of the Lord. He says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not har Nope. Let's go back to, there you go. When you enter the land I'm giving you and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first 
cutting of your grain harvest. So what, what God's after here, again, he's after our heart and he's after our first. He wants to be of primary importance. So when we gather, we gather on Sunday morning, the first day of the week. We talked about growing up uh, to become more like Jesus through these habits. We want to be, we want to turn to God at the first moment of our day. And so it makes sense that when we make money to give God the first uh, 10% or the first amount of our bundle of grain, whatever that looks like for us. But then it goes further. Let's go to that 22nd verse. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it to the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord, your God. I just want you to remember how kind and benevolent God is and also how he moves through people. So he's saying this is important because I want you to care for the poor. I want you to take for the immigrant that's just coming by that has nothing. He wants his people to be his vehicle of generosity here on earth. Okay, so let's keep reading. We're back to 2 Corinthians. First point of six, I need to move on. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. So I'm off the hook. <laughs> the people in the church in Corinth gave freely, not out of obligation, not because Paul told them to, but because they wanted to. They gave out of their own free will. They actually begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So here's the second way that we give. We give freely. Have you ever given something unconditionally just because without expecting anything in return? That is so countercultural in our society when there's always a transaction. You buy and then you receive. As followers of Jesus, we give because he freely gave to us. He just flows through us. And so we just give with no strings attached, with, with, with sometimes no plan afterwards. We just give freely. Matthew 10 says this. Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cures those with leprosy, cast demons. Freely you have received, freely you must give. Moving on. Third, I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing, Paul says, how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could, be, he could make you rich. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. This is the gospel message that God became human, the only religion on earth that tells us that the creator became human. He stooped down. Philippians 2 says he, he took the posture of a servant and he humbled himself to the point of death so that we can have our sins paid in full and have everlasting life. So by his richness, through him becoming poor, we now are rich. So we give responsively. 
We give responsively as a response to what he has done for us. See, a lot of us grew up in in, uh, churches and maybe traditions where it was under compulsion and it was more about just doing it in order to get something. Matthew, in Matthew 23, Jesus warns against that. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth. So they gave 10% of their spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So he says both are important. Give and make sure that you're after justice and mercy and and faithfulness. It's a both and. There's a story in 2014, Starbucks was doing a pay it forward thing. Have you uh, heard of this? 10 hours in St. Petersburg where people just kept on paying it forward. One guy caught wind and he went, uh, ordered two venti macchiato fraps. And when the uh, cash register said, hey, one has been paid for. Uh, you'll pay for the other. Do you want to pay for the next one as well? And he said, no, I'm putting an end to this. He was the Grinch. He, he purposely put an end to this cycle of paying it forward. And when he was asked why, he said, people are giving out of guilt, not out of generosity. There is a point in that, okay? And I'm tying that to this point that we don't need to give in order to receive anything, especially when it comes to God. We cannot outgive God. We give because of what he has done for us. We give responsively. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 8. Now you should finish what you started. So this church started giving the year prior. Let the eagerness show you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. Key, I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. He's asking this church to do what the early church was doing. Give to whoever has an, if you have, go ahead and give. Uh, and give proportionally. So later uh, in Luke 6, I'm sorry, before in Luke 6, 38, Jesus says this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This isn't prosperity, okay? This isn't the more you give, the more you will receive. Uh, You give freely, you give eagerly, and then you watch what God does. Watch him take care of your needs. Watch him do what he said in Matthew 6, when we seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be given to us. Verse 20, we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we want everyone else to see that we are honorable. We need to give honorably. This goes, again, in the way that we steward the overseers. The, uh, the, that's what we call elders in this church. They determine the budget of how we spend, what we spend. That is done carefully. That is done honorably. We also in our personal lives need to give 
honorably. I love how he's asking for accountability. He's saying we, that's Titus and Paul, are traveling together to guard against any criticism that may come. Uh, there is a way that we can give honorably, and that's God's order of giving. These are Dave Ramsey's uh, steps. We give 10%, we save 10%, we pay our bills, and then we spend the rest. It's a simple biblical model. It's interesting when you really consider the way that the world sees time and model, uh, money, it's flipped. We spend first, we pay our bills second, we save third, and then we give what's left over. When we give honorably, we do so in God's order. Last one, verse 6 of chapter 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to Give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will provide generously all you need. We do so because we want to, not because we have to. That's why we don't pass the buckets <laughs> because we don't want like, oh, Gosh, here it goes again. Oh, this. You decide how much you give through the church. You decide how much you want to give to others. You decide how you spend your time. However you do that, let's do so cheerfully, please. Because what would happen if we, when we served, when we gave, we did so with smiles on our faces, giving glory to God, saying, hey, I didn't deserve this. I'm just a steward of this. God owns it all anyway. It's just fun to give. There's another verse saying it is way better to give than to receive. And those of us that have given know that that's a proven truth that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Here's the result. It's a little bit of a, a lengthy uh, verse here in 2 Corinthians, but I love how it ties everything together. Then you have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. I can tell you that there are people, there are ministry partners that will forever remember the generosity of Cypress Creek Church. Uh, next month, we will have two mission partners from overseas that will be here. One is Dave Eubanks and the other is Morris and Ida from Uganda. So we'll have our ministry partners from Burma and our ministry partners from Uganda. And every time they come, it's just a beautiful reminder of what we get to be a part of all over the world. Verse 10, for God is the only one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. If I had more time, I would go deeper in this, but just catch that. Who gives seed to the farmer? God does. When we are obedient, God knows who his obedient servants are. Do you think he's going to give more to the generous? It makes sense, doesn't it? It's like uh, some of my friends are flower farmers, Carrington and Grant. They're part of our church family. If I want to grow beautiful flowers, I'm not going to ask Taylor Christensen to plant flowers. He doesn't know how to plant flowers. I'm going to give my seed over to those that know how to do it so that they can produce something beautiful. It's the same way with God. He knows who is generous givers are, and so he just provides more seed for those farmers. Verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be 
generous. When we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Here's the result. Two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. Jeremiah, worship team, you can come back up. Give, give. We are called to give. Now I want to close by asking us to receive this overflowing grace that God has given us that money cannot buy, that none of our time can achieve us. And that is life because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. See, God's overflowing grace came through his son, Jesus. In John 3, 16, 17, on the screen, it says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We can find rest in him. And so let's receive his love as we close this morning. Jesus, we thank you for this overflowing grace that we get to receive and then freely give. We thank you, God, for the opportunities that you have given us to partner with folks here locally and globally as we carry the truth of your gospel to the ends of the earth. Thank you, God, for the amazing, generous hearts that are in this church. Lord, what a joy it is to be a part of what you're doing here on earth. It is mysterious to me, and I know it's mysterious to many who say, there's this group of people called the body of Jesus Christ that are overflowing with generosity and are caring for people and are building something different. May that continue to be true about us. May we continue to grow healthily.